Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Yeah, well, some of us have never really graduated, have we? <laughs> Pete Thimmel. Ames is so throwback. Main Street is the Main Street. <laughs> with their size, Pat Forty. I mean, basically, these programs are coming in at or near their absolute height. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. It's week two. It's here already. The week one dragged on. Look, we're going to get to a bunch of stuff today. Just a programming note. The Race for the Case is now a standalone podcast. It will come out later this week on its own. So our picks will be then. You don't have to wait around to the end for the picks because they're not coming on this podcast. But what is is a full breakdown of the Ames song. Hooray, Ames. But let's start with the Big 12, which is making its move. The uh, Big 12 CEOs met over the weekend. There was no vote on expansion, but it is coming. Central Florida, Cincinnati, BYU, and Houston are filling out applications. What exactly does that entail? I hope there's like essays, like what four people would you want to have dinner with? You know, it would be Bob Bullsby and Matt Campbell, Mac Rhodes. Tell us about yourself in 500 words. Yes. We, we really love wheat fields and just hope we can spend. Can't wait to drink the tap water in Ames. Yeah, UCF holding out for their own tap water deal. Yeah. I want to know what the application says. I mean, nowadays <laughs> with the job, you know, worker shortage, you pull up, pull up the Taco Bell. It's like text, text this number. You're hired. You know, <laughs> yes. like, there are no applications anymore. <laughs> this is uh, some kind of some kind of equal opportunity job hunt that is not they're not following the rules. I just think if their application had horns down, they'd let horns them in. Horns down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can you recognize down. this symbol? Yes. Do you like this symbol? Yes. You're you're in. Congratulations. <laughs> and then they put the gif of the 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 sooner schooner toppling over. Yeah. <laughs> That's the you, pretty you much pass. It's like at a sixteen hundred on the SAT. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the big one. <laughs> thoughts on the uh four obviously there were you know numerous candidates that could have fit this bill they went off to the uh american which 
originally Bowlesby was angry. The American was trying to poach the Big 12. Remember how mad he got about that? And then, you know, this is why I can't take any of these guys seriously. Then he immediately poaches them. Sure. It's all about uh, honor and respect and yeah. collegiality <laughs> until you need somebody else's team. I mean, come on, people. Uh, and then BYU gets in, you know, so, I, you know, to me, the the two obvious misses here, or to, if I'm, you know, the next two in line would be Boise and Memphis. You know, I kind of feel, I feel bad for Memphis. I feel bad a little for Boise if they wanted to go. I assume they did. Yeah, well, we're in a timeline right now, and Pat and Ross did something at the end of last week, and we're in the, we're in the stage of this where everyone's competing to confirm the obvious, right? Like the increments of the obvious, like they met. The application's coming through. They're scheduling a meeting. They voted them in. Like, they're going, okay? We can just all operate like they're going, and the minutiae is going to take care of itself uh, at, the, at the end of the day. To me, the most interesting part was when you when – you, everybody – you get the peek into the psyche of how insecure the fan bases are during all this, right? And a lot of that plays out, like, live on your Twitter feed, and – so I was told that BYU had the best metrics. Now, I'm not saying they have the best football program. You don't have to tell me their bowl record since like 1954. But the combination, I believe 6% of America is Mormon. They have a huge footprint. And they do have a much better history when you start talking about national championships and going back a century. And that stuff matters with, uh, with TV resonance. So BYU was number one with a bullet. The other three, there was a little bit of separation between them, but they were kind of clustered there. And then my understanding was that there was a pretty big gap after four to the to the next one. And don't sleep on USF in that next crew because they've got that Tampa market. Eventually, UCF would like to have a now again, UCF doesn't want them in because of like they, they can plant the flag in the state recruiting advantage, all that stuff. But it just makes sense to have a local rival at some point. And that's sort of where, where we are now. I have a story that, that came out uh, Tuesday afternoon on, uh, on Yahoo that, that gets into the next round, which I think is interesting. We, we can dig into this more later, and this would be a better offseason topic. But the thought is blow up the group of five and make it all geographically sensible. And we've talked about this. I mean, everybody agrees with this. Anyone with a common sense in their head agrees with it all. But like, I really think now we're going to be at the, does the American get UAB phase of it all? And I really think that the, the fundamental question of that, and there's a you know TV, thicket of TV contracts, all this kind of stuff, but I really think that if all the group of five came together collectively, their rights would be worth more than chopped up into these individually individual conference. Now, could it happen? I don't know. That's that you'd have to break. Con it would take a level of synchronicity that we have never seen in the history of college athletics. But uh, remember, like the reason we'd go to super conferences and college football would end up in an NFL model is the top 40, 60, whatever number it is. If you group together the rights, the rights are worth more. Now, we've gone to big brands, right? The big brands are what sells. The big brands are what's moving. There aren't big brands in that group of five. Now, they're relative Boise compared to UTEP, right? But I just wonder if collectively somebody would want all that content and made it home for all that content. For people like us, and quite frankly, the people listening to us would watch that content, right? Like the gambler, the Thursday night game, the junkie, the football guy. So Anyway, that's a that's a wide swath I, I covered there, but that's sort of where where we all are with this right now. Those four are coming in. Everybody else is scrambling, and uh, yeah, we're moving on. Yeah, I mean that's that, those are the four, and you know I think if if you're the Big Twelve, you probably 
got the four best uh, of what's available. You know, I'm not saying you got four absolute stone cold, you know, great programs that elevate you, but you help yourself. You solidify your numbers. You get a foothold in Florida. You bring in a Cincinnati program that's very solid in a pretty large market in an area that loves football and produces recruits. You got Houston, which checks all those boxes as well. And then you're right, Pete. I think BYU really was from people I talked to kind of the one that once people kind of got over reticence or reservations about BYU being, quote unquote, a difficult conference member that they had gotten that rap. Uh, I think once you get past that, they've got a lot going for them. They do. They, they, they got a big stadium and they put people in it and they have a national audience, a big following. They got back on the beam last year going 11 and one. They've had 40, 50 years really of, of pretty consistent success. They, they, you know, they, and they're out there and ready to be had. So, so you go get them without any of the complications of pulling them out of another conference, really, uh, is that, that you have with some of the other schools. There is definitely, I think, some people that are still fighting for USF. If this, if we have round two of Big Twelve gets bigger than the twelve, uh, USF. Some even for Colorado State, Boise, Mem- Memphis. I do. I agree with Dan. Memphis is the one that that they may have a gap between them and and the others from the the other AAC evacuees, if you will. But they're not too far behind in terms of they've they've had success under multiple coaches, and that was one thing that was that was kind of driven home to me by someone in the Big Twelve. Is like if you can look over the last ten to fifteen years and you've won ten or more games with more than one coach, you've got a little something intrinsic there. You've got infrastructure. You've got commitment. You've got access to talent and memphis really has 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 pretty much checked that box what they don't have is as big a tv market as as some of the other ones and that and memphis is a very balkanized city in terms of audience you know there's market size and there's audience and there's obviously tennessee fans mississippi fans mississippi state alabama all up in memphis too so you know if the other sports matter at all hey the ones that are coming in other than ucf all really pretty consistently good in basketball uh, and BYU top 20 all sports in the, you know, the Learfield Directors Cup. So if those things matter at all, they check those boxes as well. Pete, oh, and real quick to the other thing, interesting thought about, yeah, like just a, a group of five giant pool last year when everybody was trying to figure out what during the pandemic, the Conference USA and Sunbelt were talking about, hey, should we schedule each other? Should we combine more regionally because they're both schools, uh, conferences that overtake the same footprint and you got some to the East and some to the West. And you know, why are they two separate conferences? Basically? Why should Charlotte, East Carolina, coastal Carolina and app state all be in different leagues? Right now, look, if you go to those athletic markets, you go to East Carolina, they think they're better than (laughs) I would say App State, but App State just trucked them on the field on Thursday. But like there is like within don't underestimate the individual ego of the place in the pecking order. Right. That that is very real. But how much better would it be for the East Carolina football player to play those teams that you can either ride a bus or a very quick plane flight? East Carolina is out there a little bit as opposed to going to Temple and going to Memphis, and going to SMU. Like, that just makes sense. East Carolina alums live in Charlotte. Lots of them. Hundreds of thousands of them, actually. East Carolina alums don't live in Philadelphia and Dallas. I'm sure there's like two or three, and I'm sure they'll tweet me on the podcast and be like, hey, man. But for the most part, it just makes sense. Think about the state of Louisiana. Louisiana Tech, Louisiana Monroe, and Tulane 
are all in different leagues, along with Louisiana. Louisiana and Monroe are in the same league, <laughs> although you would argue they're not in the same league if you actually saw them play on the field. But you have three schools within the boot, four schools within the boot, and only two of them are in the same. Like, it just, it just makes sense. And so here's where, like, chasing the TV money and chasing the TV boxes, which is really how we kind of got into this crazy realignment thing to begin with, we need a reset. Is there a leader in that group of five space? Is there a commissioner in that group of five space? And then is there a TV consultant? Because all these things come down to TV consultants as, as much as we don't want them to. Who could leverage the assets? Of, I, I counted like 60 schools. I threw Liberty in. I left the military academies independent. I did a whole breakdown of, of, of where everybody uh, where everybody fits with the help of some, quite frankly, some people in the group of five want this to happen, even if it might mean their place in the pecking order goes a little bit. Now, here's the thing. Does Boise want it to happen? Probably not, right? Because they've established themselves at the head of the class. Does you know Monroe want it to happen at the bottom of the food chain? Absolutely, because it would affiliate them with others. So I don't think it will happen at the end of the day because there's too much ego and like the Mac would have to unwind its TV deal with ESPN. The Mac likes being on ESPN. Maction, like that's a great deal for them. There, there is a lot, but a a common sense reset, even if it's in the non-revenues, right? Like a common sense reset is overdue here in, in college sports. The AAC TV deal, if those three leave, is supposedly going to blow up and reset and get renegotiated. And at that point, it was a pretty good TV deal. At that point, it comes way down without those, without those three bangers in there. And so does that lead itself to some type of reorganization. I don't know, but I'd be I'd be excited to see it. And I think a lot of people on those campuses would be excited to see it. Well, look, we've been saying forever that none of this stuff makes sense. And and football is one thing. The other sports are another. I mean, it's just, if you want to do football, it's, okay, it's one game a week. You want to fly your team to Dallas. Why are you flying your your soccer team there? Why are you, you know, your volleyball team, your, that stuff's never made any sense. They, they really should be in two to three different leagues. And you see it sometimes in hockey because not everyone's got a hockey team. And so for the big 10 actually started a hockey league, but for a long time you had like Michigan is in the same hockey league with Ferris state. Yeah. And you know, uh, lakes, Lake superior state and, you know, and because it made sense and it was okay. And and honestly, the Big Ten hockey programs were better when they were involved in that. When they went to the Big Ten, they haven't really done as well. No reason for that. Minnesota and Minnesota Duluth are, you know, let's play. That's that's an awesome hockey game. So you get all that. Pete's right. Like, you don't want to, Maction doesn't want to give up its ESPN weeknight thing. But I could see like a CBS Sports Network or something just going all in and being like, all right, we're going to be the hardcore. Let's let's get them. And then we can we can package the best game every week a little bit better instead and get some more re regional rivalries. Yeah, I was just going to say that the only thing I was going to say there is there's, there's a little bit more of that kind of hybrid league stuff than we've maybe acknowledged. I mean, there's some of that, as you said, in hockey, but there's also some in wrestling. There's some yep. in lacrosse. There's some in field hockey. Uh, there's some in swimming, as a matter of fact, you know, so I, but there probably needs to be more because it does make sense it just from from every single standpoint of trying to keep those sports viable and alive, it would make more sense. Well, look, look at if you're if you're a let's say you play tennis, right? You're Boston College tennis is only so good you're going to be. Yeah. And you're playing down south. The tennis program is going to be better. Golf is going to be better. It just is. Yeah. And, and why do you want to be in with that? Wouldn't it be better to have your tennis team bus over to Holy Cross or UConn or Providence? You know, I mean, what are we doing here? And, and for all I know, Boston College tennis is, is good. Uh, <laughs> 
don't know. But that that's kind of the issue. So anyway, going into that. All right. As for the Big 12 and these four programs, uh, I agree with you on BYU. I think there's a lot of religious opposition to the BYU thing. But, man, if you're around that program, you know, Salt Lake City is not a small market. No. They're everywhere. Their Getting fans bigger. show up everywhere. Yes. They're historically good. They've got a great stadium. They're a brand. And so that made sense. These others like how much does this help the Big 12 and how much like if you're UCF and everyone sat around forever and go, this is a sleeping giant. I mean, they are they're sitting in one of the biggest cities in the country now. They're one of the biggest schools. Their alums are getting older and will donate more money. There's talent everywhere. Same with Houston. Same with how much of a bump can these schools get? Or is it actually a little bit of like you're now going to have to play better opponents? And you're not going to do as well. I mean, I would make this I would make this move, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. You know, is there some risk there? What, what, what do you what do you think the real world impact is going to be on 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 it for the, the schools coming in? I guess just go with that. The big 12 schools. I mean, they had to do something. So but for these other four, what can these programs do? I mean, Cincinnati's got it going pretty good right now. How much better are you going to be joining this thing? Well, I, I mean, that's the great unknown, because if you look at it. You know, the bullish Cincinnati fans like, oh, well, wait till we get more exposure and more recruits see us. And, you know, and now we're playing in Texas and we're going to get players from there. Well, maybe so. But the other side of it is your games are harder week in and week out and you're probably losing more. And the something else was pointed out to me in reporting all this is, uh, I mean, basically these programs are coming in at or near their absolute height. Okay, you know, within the last couple, like Cincinnati right now is as good as it's about ever been. Maybe the Brian Kelly days when they were undefeated, but still consistently now this is three straight years knocking it out. Four straight years if this year's team turns out to be good. UCF just not not far removed from being undefeated. BYU coming off 11-1. Now they've been good before, but Houston's really the only one that in the last couple of years. So can you keep that level up? Or are you coming down maybe a little bit from that? And so, you know, I, I, I don't think you can realistically go in and say, yeah, we're 11-1 in the AAC. We're going to be 11-1 in the new Big 12. And so there is a little bit of risk there. I mean, you know, TCU found that out when they went into the Big 12. They got their head knocked in for a little while until they, they kind of regrouped and, and got it going. But, I mean, if you're these schools, you absolutely make the move. And you're betting on yourselves that, yes, you can sustain what's going on. We've talked about BYU. The other three schools coming in are are places where I've been all recently. Cincinnati, the key thing that, that Fickle really wants is a new standalone facility. So right now, if you go to Cincinnati, it has a little throwback feel. Their football offices are like crammed into a big facility, like the basketball offices are down the hall. It has like an old school. And again, they're nice facilities, but a Mac feel where everybody's crowded together. The, the, if you're across the moat, you've got your big old standalone building, and they are, I believe, in the exploratory phase of one of those big standalone buildings. Now, again, Cincinnati's in a city. It's not like UCF. UCF could build four Super Bowl stadiums and still have room to put a Walmart <laughs> and everything else. I mean, they have space to burn at UCF. Cincinnati's a little bit different. And so that's the big thing Fickle wants. He, he feels like if he can get that standalone facility – it can really uptick Cincinnati, which is quite frankly upticked quite a you know quite a bit already. And then UCF, I was there for their Thursday game against uh, against Boise. And let, let me say this: that place popped. All right, the bounce house bounced. The students were fired up. 
you know, I usually get to games pretty early, three hours before the game, something like that. There was like a line snaking through campus. They're famous for that. The students got in now. It rained at lightning and they came back and left, came back and left. There was still a really good atmosphere somewhere around 1 a.m. when that game when that game ended. And it was it was a heck of a game. So the hardest thing to do is kind of build that culture of the fan base. And UCF has that in spades. You could argue that's his loyal of a student section. And look, they have 70,000 students, right? A couple of them are going to like football. But you could tell this was an event on their campus. They just released Terry Mahajra, the new AD there, a $50 million football complex plan. So that part of it is going to be there. Like that part of it is going to grow. I went to their president's office the day of the game. Alex Cartwright, he'd been at Missouri, Pat. I'm sure he tried, probably tried to hit you up for some money at some point. Like Cartwright gets it. He saw Buffalo turn around its athletic program with some with some you know good basketball and football coaches. He saw the value of the SEC to Missouri. So he is all in on football. He was like, nervous about the game and, and and all that stuff. So institutionally, Gus Malzahn sort of left-handedly threw a little shade at Auburn when I grabbed him after the game. He was like, hey, this place is a line, coach, AD, president. No Auburn coach in the history of Auburn has ever said this place is aligned. So I think <laughs> Gus has seen the difference between, okay, everybody's in lockstep here as opposed to, uh, you know, one of those dysfunctional SEC places where the booster is trying to fire the coordinator after week three and all all that kind of stuff. So I'm really bullish. And then Houston is interesting because Houston is like, their practice field is right in the cusp of the third ward there. During the Herman era, they got a bunch of facilities built. They have an indoor. It's 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 a good place. Like, the thing Houston needs is the recruiting. So for decades, nobody in the Big 12 wanted Houston because they were worried that all the recruits would just stay. Now, I think the – and it makes sense. I mean, if you kept all the best Houston recruits in Houston, you could win the national title. I have no doubt about that. I mean, we could go through the last five years and build a college football super team of the Jalen Hurtses and the Jalen Waddles and, shoot, the the left tackle at BC who's going to be an NFL pick is Mike Vrabel's son who grew up in Houston. Like, you could just – you could just keep going. Monsters on both sides of the ball. There's skill. There's everything in that city. Now, I'm not saying Houston going to the Big 12, kids are not going to go to Alabama or Texas because of it. But they very well could not go to Baylor or Tech because of it. Uh, Ed Oliver comes to mind. He was a Houston kid who stayed home and ended up doing doing just fine there, going on to the uh, going on to the NFL. I mean, you have to if you've ever spent any time in Houston and in, in you understand the culture of the football city there, you have to believe in it. The interesting question after this weekend for Houston is, will Dana Holgerson be the guy to build it out there? Uh, he has a $5 million buyout. He has not made a bowl the last two years. They got skunked in the second half against Texas Tech. And let me tell you, Houston doesn't like losing to Texas Tech in what was essentially a home game at uh, at NRG. I really feel like that'll be interesting. Who, who can Houston bring in maybe to unlock that? Houston, the last two coaches Houston fired made back-to-back bowls and they fired them. Holgerson has missed bowls back-to-back years. And look, there's a long way to go. They could figure it out. That's a bad sign for the Holgerson era at Houston, especially at this moment where you need to sell a vision in the future. Hey, this is what we are going to be. And if they miss a bowl again, that is not the vision that they want to uh, set forth. I mean, remember, this is a place that wanted to hire Lane Kiffin for a minute when he was still like off the market and uh, and sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, there was there was some there were some baggage questions about Lane when he was in his Alabama rehab, uh, Alabama rehab stint. So anyway, three very enticing places where if you looked at these, you like you would invest in all those places as growth stock because of the recruiting area, 
there's good bones at some of them, and the added money will give them better bones. Well, to me, Houston's the easiest no-brainer oh. going. It's it's almost becomes it's a, probably a top three or four job in the con- conference right away. I mean, would you rather be, you know, if, if they get organized, would you rather be in Houston or would you rather be in Lubbock? Yeah. I mean, you're gonna get you just the players are right there, so that one's got a, a ton of potential. They all do, and so you know, I think. It, it, how about basketball? I mean, Houston basketball Whew. is already a Final Four program yeah. under Calvin Sampson, and they've been great in the past. Well, now you put them. The Big Twelve is still going to be a great basketball, league. phenomenal, phenomenal basketball, great conference. basketball league. And now Houston kids going, wait, you don't have the the one knock they had on us. Ain't no knock anymore. Yep. And we take they'll take basketball more seriously in the Big Twelve than they will the SEC. You know, oh, yeah. So it's 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 a great deal, and so that that's a, that's a bonus. Quick note, I did look up the, the BC tennis team just so see if I was completely wrong. <laughs> Boy, was I right. They went 2-13 and 13 last year, 0-12 in conference. I, I do know from being on the ground here, we have some BC listeners in the athletic department, so I'm sure uh, I'm Yeah, sure get your have tennis, tennis team player. out of the ACC. I'm sorry. You lost 7-0 to to Virginia, 7-0 to to Virginia Tech, 6-1 to to Louisville, 7-0 Notre Dame, 7-0 North Carolina State, 7-0 Wake Forest. You beat Merrimack and Siena. Then you lost 6-1 to Duke, 7-0 to Carolina, 7-0 to Florida State, 7-0 to Miami, 6-1 to Clemson, 6-1 Georgia Tech. So there was one dude probably on the entire team that won four matches the whole year. <laughs> well, if you look up the swimming results, they're the same. They're the same for swimming. You know, they're, they're, I mean, what, they are by far last in the ACC. How about this trip here? April 9th last year, they fly down, they compete against Florida State, seven zip. Then they go to Miami, seven zip. Then they fly home. Good trip. Yeah. Like, you know what? I mean, these the- leagues just don't make, I know no one cares about the tennis team. I get it. But what do you, what do, why does this exist? <laughs> why do you have to be all sports? I feel bad for the kids of the team. They're like, it's freezing up here all year round. These kids down, yes, the kids in Coral Gables are better at tennis. Going to Boletary Academy and stuff, trying to. I'm telling you though, that's the 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 BC tennis team loved going on that trip and getting its head handed to them by Miami and Florida State because you went to Florida for four days or whatever. I guess so. I guess so. Can I interject one thought about basketball that we didn't? Sure. That we didn't. The one school we haven't really talked about today is San Diego State. I'm surprised San Diego State doesn't have a little more traction here, all right? The basketball's right. been phenomenal for 20 years. Now, basketball's a very small factor. We always talk about that, but it's as high-end as any place in the country. Their track record is has to be top 15 in the last in the last two decades, essentially, right? But I just, if you are going to have a strategy of growth programs and growth areas, planting your flag in the Western time zone gives you a ton of TV potential for late windows. I mean, look, when we watch San Diego State, when do we watch them? We either watch them on a weeknight or that last call game when we all get back from games on Saturday nights. San Diego, I believe, is the eighth-ranked TV market in the country, something crazy like that. And there's a ton of good football. Now, again, we'll learn in two years whether the Big 12 wants to grow again. And I just really, like, I'm bullish on San Diego State for the same reasons I'm bullish on UCF Houston and Cincinnati. Like, it's easy to envision it there. And quite frankly... If you're a Southern California kid and that program is elevated, you would much rather go to San Diego State than Washington State or Oregon State if you're that level of recruit. Um, And if that league 
comes and they, they want to challenge the Pac-12. Like the people in the in the Big 12 didn't make, you know, aren't mincing words. They feel like they can grow this thing to be at the level of of that. And I just feel like putting a foothold right in the Pac-12's backyard and trying to and trying to grow it that way would would make a lot of sense. So also, I'm up with, no up NFL with the teams. Yes. No NFL yes. team in the new market. Stadium. They're building a new stadium. stadium. They're building that a stadium the this year. One. That's the big deal right there, that stadium. I agree. That uh yeah, you've got the talent and you just need a little bit of legitimacy. For now, the Mountain West is is a winner because they've survived intact. But yeah, you know, is that sustainable? How long is that sustainable? Yeah, and then you know, do they sit there and say, Hey, maybe we try to get into Texas a little and get SMU, yeah. or do we right. you know, I don't know what, what's gonna happen next? All right, a little bit of football left over from the weekend, Ole Miss. 43, Louisville 24. Ole Miss offense looked about what we thought. The defense was, uh, I thought, very good. I also think Louisville was not. Just quickly, what do we, I mean, it's just, in 2020, the Ole Miss defense was 126th in total defense. They had a good season. Um, They gave up 519 yards per game and 38 points. I mean, if you shave that down a little, uh, this changes the dynamic. I, I made a you were talking about like you can tell how sensitive fan bases are when you put stuff out on Twitter. Like, is there anyone more sensitive than Alabama fans? Like I, I put out Ole Miss's defense is looking pretty good. It's not as good as Bama's. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, this is true. Yes. Like I'm like, hey, other night I'm like, Notre Dame's a little more athletic. They're not as athletic as Alabama. They still get killed. But yes, I know. I know. I do. I have to preface every comment. Yes. Alabama is better than what I'm about to say. We got that. <laughs> yes, you do. Oh, well, this reminded God. me of, uh, yeah, when, when DJ Oyunglele was playing last year, and I said, man, this is the, you know, that big-time quarterback recruit. And I was like, well, not as good as Bryce Young. <laughs> I, got, I got, yeah. There are other programs. We love you, yeah. Alabama, yeah. but come on, guys. I, it's not like you're lacking for attention. I mean, your coaches in uh, all the Aflac commercials, which are on more than almost everything, but that's terrible Applebee's commercial. Oh, God, that Awful. needs to get banned. <laughs> I'm Did telling that you. guy write that song knowing he was going to get a, a an Applebee's deal? I don't know, but here's here's the thing. Whoever was the first guy on Madison Avenue or wherever the hell advertising execs live these days who said, just have people dance on commercials. Is should if he gets royalties, he should own the world because every commercial. Now, oh, let's just have somebody dance. It doesn't matter what you're selling. Just have people dance. TikTok's I don't understand over. it. I don't like it. But whoever did it first is a damn genius. I agree. The Applebee's. It's like, okay, you want me to go eat your food? And I got someone water skiing. I don't. I, what? <laughs> what is Was going it on? Rob, throw it. <laughs> Hey, throwing them like a, you know, baby back ribs, a woman on the water ski. I don't, that thing was on so much. Oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, don't go Applebee's, uh, you know, uh, where were we? Oh, Mrs. Defense sucked. Oh, now they suck less. Yes. Thoughts. I will, I will say this about DJ Durkin, who was the defensive coordinator last year when they finished 126th. He was a very good defensive coordinator before he became a head coach. Then obviously he got uh he got fired from Maryland amid the uh amid the the death of the player. Ole Miss obviously took took a risk hiring him, took some bad publicity. DJ Durkin is doing what he did earlier in his career, which is be a very good defensive coordinator. In 2015 at Michigan, he was the DC. That's the last time Michigan won a bowl game. They went 10 and 3. They were the 
fourth-ranked total defense in the country. I'm not saying Ole Miss is going to be that good, but they they just need to go to baseline functionality and be able to like hold on to the seesaw as the offense because that program is always going to be dictated by the uh, by the offense. But there was a feeling talking to people at Ole Miss this offseason that their talent was exponentially better. They brought in some transfers. They really felt like they could make a jump. And again, they didn't. Uh, they didn't just beat Patrick Mahomes, but they beat a team with some pretty good athletes on offense. And it is a good harbinger for them to be able to hang around in some of those higher end SEC games this year. And it, look, it's a time to be optimistic about Ole Miss football right now. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, yeah, uh, they they last year th- they were not a good defense. Period. But they also ran into a Florida offense that was operating on an incredibly high level. An Alabama offense is as good as we've seen. Uh, the schedule was difficult from a de- if you're the defensive coordinator, the, the schedule you were looking at was like, oh my God. So they've gotten a lot better. Chance Campbell, the uh linebacker transfer from Maryland. Boy, was he good last night. He was all over the field, uh, hit the hell out of uh, Malik Cunningham a couple times. They hit people. They 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 were very physical out there. Sometimes they targeted, but they, you know, that I saw a very different level of physicality and aggressiveness, I think, from the Ole Miss defense. And to the basic point, yes, they don't have to be great. They just have to be good. And and Ole Miss is a threat to everyone except Alabama in the <laughs> SEC West. All right. Randy Edsel said he was retiring at the end of the year. They said not to <laughs> might as well get to it right now. <laughs> you they said you're gonna retire at the end of the weekend. <laughs> Extra two grand to help you on the moving costs. <laughs> Coach Edsel is out at UConn. It's our first firing retirement whatever it was well deserved can't lose to holy cross uh even if you're just yukon uh we've made enough jokes about the new york times crowning them national champions last year for not spreading covid it's really a i mean the sec's got no hot seat this hot you win a national title and then you're fired two games <laughs> in <laughs> the boneyard message board is just brutal i mean uh, hot sports talk markets of New Haven, you know. <laughs> is Lasso? Sport. Is there Ted Lasso is coming? Is that one of the? That's got to uh, be the hope. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Let me put it this way: Is there any path that you could see UConn being any good? And, and answer quickly because we don't want to bore people. No, there's no players. Like it's very simple. It's no players. <laughs> there's no players in the stadiums in a different city from the school. The weather sucks. Other than that, it's great. You have no tradition. Randy Edsel goes out. His last three wins of his career, Rhode Island in 2018, Wagner in 2019, and Dan Wetzel's UMass Minute. Oh, well, his last actually is a roadmap to who they should be playing when they go to yes, FCS. Yeah, that is right. who UConn should be playing. Yes. They're go going to Clemson this year. Those teams. They will be playing on the road at Clemson this year. That's just not fair. That's that's just athletic department mismanagement at that point. It's just money. It's money. Yeah. I look, uh, and they go, well, they made that Fiesta Bowl. That was great. They did, they were pretty good for a little bit, but that was in the old Big East when they got to play teams that were similar. That's two generations of conference realignment ago. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's not it, 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 that was great. And that's why I was in favor of a playoff to try to stabilize those leagues. The more conferences we have, the better. Because then schools like UConn can have good years every once in a while. And it was fun. 
And it was good. And and the Big East champ was no threat to win the national champion, but who cares? It existed. The Big, Te- Big East champion, is whoever that is now, is the best of whatever there was. It's no threat to win the national championship either. They just, they're just fodder playing in front of empty stadiums now because they can't compete. These, the conference expansion has been horrible for the sport top to bottom, but UConn is on the back end. I don't, I know I went to UMass. I'm not picking on UConn. I say it all the time about UMass. Drop the sport. It's never happening. Never say never. I'm saying never. It's never happening. <laughs> go back to go back to FCS or just concentrate on being a great basketball school and a great hockey school and a great lacrosse school and all the other sports. UConn has a terrific athletic department, except for this. Yeah. Just yep. pour more money into the other things. So that's, you know, I know they're not going to do that. And I know UMass isn't. And I know I joke they should play together. But, man, that uh, crackpot idea makes more sense every year. Well, what year did they win the Big East? Let me see here. That would have been 2010, I believe. I think it was 2010. And let me see here. If if it even exists on the Google machine, uh, Big East football standings 2010. My guess is, I I believe it was like a quad tie for the championship. I mean, it was it was a, it was a yeah. slobber knocker of a. It wasn't like they went out and dominated. Yes, they were tied with West Virginia in Pitt. Syracuse was one game behind. South Florida, Louisville, Cincinnati, and Rutgers were in the league. UConn can win that league occasionally if they have the right coach and the right players and they develop the program. Like that makes sense. UConn doesn't really make sense in a in a in a viable football league the way things have changed. It will be interesting. Now their athletic people were like, "We're never going to go back to the Big East of basketball. We're never going to go back," and then they did. All right. Right. And now they're, we're never going to drop football. We value football. We're going to be independent. We're going to play on all these games on CBS Sports Network. We'll see how long the financial gravity and also how much better could you be at basketball if you took all that money you lit on fire in football and and, tra- and, and channeled it to basketball I, or, or any other sport that you just get your fans behind. So let's take uh, take lacrosse. UConn could be good at lacrosse. They're sitting right between two of the biggest hotbeds oh, yeah. of lacrosse. There's a million kids playing lacrosse in in New England and and in Long Island and New York and Jersey and all that. What if you take your football facility and turn it into a lacrosse facility, and you've got the greatest lacrosse facility in the country, and you get good at lacrosse? At least you're like I mean, I, there's money to be spent on other things. They have a terrific athletic department. It's a great fan base. They do a lot of great stuff and a lot of they've. Terrific soccer tradition, all different stuff. They've been Hockey's good. Hockey's very good. You could really Hockey's good. Obviously, hockey. women's basketball is the legendary program. It's just like this football dream. It isn't happening. There's no fans. They're all Patriots fans. Uh, in Connecticut, you get a few Giants fans too. But it's it, it's not happening for these schools. Get back to the basics and be really good at what you can be really good at. All right. That, we cannot talk too much about you. Yeah. That's enough. We're a New England United we, podcast. Look, I, we're, I, pour, I, I, we're pouring one out for Randy Edsel because he gave us a lot, a of, lot of material. Yep. Yeah, we'll miss him, but that's probably <laughs> enough. <laughs> that's it. We're going to miss you, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Pac-12 needs a re- reboot on the season. Other than UCLA, which is sitting around spending its week trolling Coach O and, and bragging about wearing sissy blue colors. Um, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Is someone at UCLA going to send us that shirt, by the way? Like, I hope are we so. gonna get, are they we really gonna get make that? it. The shirts are I don't, great. Oh, yeah. Well, they should. They should. Martin German yeah. doesn't miss too many marketing opportunities. The no. uh, AD at UCLA. So, like, let's let's get those sissy blue shirts in the mail here. 
Yeah. Let me say this about UCLA's game on Saturday night, because we didn't get to this the other day. We talked a little about uh, when I went to the Michigan game, the experience of getting back to a college football game was phenomenal. I'm not even I'm not a Michigan fan. I just wanted to go to a college football game and I loved it. So you can imagine how much Michigan fan loved it. And I'm sure it's same out at UCLA. They did a great job on this game. They gave away a lot of tickets. They had deals. They filled pretty much the Rose Bowl. There's some tarps and stuff. But the, I mean, the damn thing's huge. Yeah. And it's it's California. They got the light show and they did the California love. They got Tupac. They're branding the event yeah. and making it fun. And that was a really good job because it was like opening night on Broadway. Yeah. And now everyone in L.A. is all excited about UCLA football. And that had a feeling of something. Now, right. are they going to fill it every week like you do in the Midwest and the South? No. But good for them to seize that. And that we talk about, like, what ails the Pac-12. A lot of it is that. What's your identity at some of these schools? Like, they're just they haven't been able to create that identity. And I don't know that UCLA will or won't. But right now. You're like, hey, UCLA football is hot. It's exciting brand of football. We've got this innovative coach. It's a cool scene out there at the end of the game. You know, between the third and fourth quarter, you sing Tupac. Let's go. Right. That's what this league needs to do, because what you're looking around and, and it isn't easy to do. But, you know, it was it was a dreadful first weekend. It, you know, there's a few good wins of blowout games. Oregon survived a good Fresno team, but. For the most part, you need a lot of excitement and you need a lot of a, of rebuild. And so, uh, you know, this is a huge weekend for Oregon to to show against Ohio State. Washington has to show a pulse. Arizona cannot get beat by San Diego State. I, I don't, you know, Colorado is playing A&M. That's a tough game for Colorado. And unfortunately, it's in Denver. I wish that was in on Boulder. They've got to do more to create cross the board excitement, not just winning some games. Uh, Cal plays TCU, right? Tough. Uh, I mean, this could go really ugly this weekend, too. Could be additional. But can you capture that? I don't know. Thoughts on where the Pac-12 has to go right now? Well, I think that's a great point. UCLA is in Los Angeles. If LA can't put on a show, who the hell is going to put on a show? And you need to put on a show. Sell what you've got. And that's what, you know, you... You've got a lot of fun and a lot of pizzazz in Los Angeles, so your football games should should echo that. And, you know, I'm sure you guys have gone through this before. People, you know, like, well, what are games like at X and Y and Z? And, you know, at LSU, it's unbelievable. At Georgia, it's unbelievable. At Alabama, you know, at Ohio State, in the California. Man, you know, it's, I mean, it's a nice stadium. You say that, that's, that's what you end up saying. The weather's great, you know, but. but Other than Oregon. Yeah, yeah, right. Oregon's you, awesome. Oregon's Washington, awesome. Washington's pretty cool too. Washington is very cool when they're when they're going. Yeah, yeah. You beautiful know? place. Yeah. Not yeah. when they but go even the SEC without scoring. Yeah. <laughs> when you score on your first possession of the season and then don't score again. Just but Alabama spent like a million dollars on an LED light show. <laughs> right. Now, right between the third and fourth quarter, Georgia followed up with it, and all those schools have always done this at hedges and this and that and. And, and, you know, all the different stuff, when even the SEC's got to fight to to get fans to come and stay and make it this whole day-long thing. I'm not saying the, the Pac-12 isn't trying. That's one thing they have to be better than everyone else at because it's not easy to get better in football, but you could get really good. And I thought that UCLA scene was tremendous. And I'm sure every fan who left there, whether they didn't pay for a ticket or did, is like, I'll come back to that. Because that's no, that's good. That's good marketing. But 
to the to the on the field product. No, the Pac-12 North is a disaster. I mean, for Washington had ten starters back on offense and scored on that first possession of the game, and then didn't score again against an FCS opponent. They scored seven points. That's that's a disaster. That is so bad. You know, Stanford was horrible against Kansas State. And, you know, Kansas State's a solid program. But for for Stanford to be shut out with less than four minutes to play and finally eke in a touchdown and avoid their first shutout in 15 years, that's really bad. Washington State, very bad against Utah State. Cal lost to a good team in Nevada. But still, Cal under Justin Wilcox is an offensively challenged program. You've got to find a way to get some offense going there. So that the Pac-12 North has major issues. As Dan pointed out, big games this weekend. They need to show up. I'm not sure how many they'll win, but they better show up when you're playing Michigan and Ohio State and TCU uh, and Stanford's going to USC. Well, it's an interesting time for the Pac-12 to have just an entire division fall asleep because they're sort of entering the period under George Klyovkov where they have to position the league for a new TV deal. And if you are nationally irrelevant, which if one of your entire divisions, again, Oregon won, we'll see, we'll see this weekend. If the Buckeyes, if the Buckeyes beat the Ducks by 35 on Saturday, which is a perfectly reasonable scenario, then we're really going to see trouble for the Pac-12. Because by then you have the LA schools and then you have everybody else. And that makes a, a new TV deal really, really difficult to sell as a national product when you don't have a significant amount of national resonance. So I I really think for the Pac-12, as it's trying to position itself going forward, it needs to find some footing. And you wonder how much of what we're seeing now is because the league is behind, has been behind off the field, right? Because of finances. The last Pac-12 playoff team that won a game was Oregon in 14. They played for the national title. They got dump trucked by Ohio State. USC has not made the college football playoff. UCLA hasn't sniffed it. So I really think going forward, the Pac-12 needs multiple teams, not just the two LA teams, as, as it enters this uh, as it enters this next phase where it's going to go to market. And ESPN isn't going to have a huge stick in this next market because they've invested everything in the SEC and they are about to invest a lot. How much of a lot matters on what the CFP people allow, but they're going to put a lot of money in the CFP and Look, we are in event-based big brand times right now. This isn't TV sets. This isn't cable boxes. And how many Pac-12 games a year are truly an event? Oregon-Ohio State is, for sure. But after that, I mean, UCLA-LSU arguably was. But the the more you diminish, the less events you have, you just have quantity at that point. You don't have quality. And that's the Pac-12's issue going forward. The uh, Cy-Hawk game this weekend in Ames. We've been waiting for this for a year, even though I wish there was a better name than the Cyhawk. Just <laughs> children of the corn, something, you know, children our of the state corn. fairs better than your state fair award, anything. Children <laughs> of the corn, Cyhawk. They have so many great names in that area of the country. I know. And they that's ca- brutal. Come on, Iowa. Step it up. The Iowa caucus. The Iowa oh, caucus. That's, yeah, that's something. good. That's what it is on the pod from now on. It's the Iowa caucus. I don't know. I like children of the corn. Iowa caucus. <laughs> okay. Who won the Iowa caucus? You give that little soapbox. There's like something at the state fair you're supposed to stand on and make your case to the great people of Iowa, the hard scrabble, salt of the earth. 
put you in a dunk um, tank. That that really get people that show up at the state fair. Dan. Dunk tape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, this is a, a, a massive game. Iowa State has a national championship hopes. There's no question. Playoff hopes, at least. And losing this game would put them behind the eight ball because they probably still have to beat Oklahoma then twice. Iowa, I'm sure, has playoff hopes also. It's just they're in the Big Ten and, you, you know, the Buckeyes are standing in the way, among others. But this this road opens up really big. And this is, let's face it, Iowa State has these seasons less often than Iowa. How important is this game as a program for Iowa State uh, in particular? And how important is and satisfying would this be for Iowa fan to <laughs> just be like, hey, it's nice. You had a big, big offseason, but get out of the way. We're still we're still big brother around here. Oh, it's big. This is I mean, like this is really fun because this has always been a very good rivalry, but most of the time we don't pay attention to it. And now this time we're all invited in. You know, the, the, this is a big national game. It's right there with Ohio State and Oregon as the two biggest ones of the week. Game day is going to be there. You know, and I just I think it's wonderful to have these two schools that really don't have any business being very good. If you look at recruiting territory and things of that nature, for them to both be sitting in this position is is very cool. Kirk Ferentz has owned this recently they've won at least four in a row i'll have to look back and see beyond that there have been some close games the classic iowa iowa state 18 to 17 in 2019 13 to 3 in 2018 so you know you get some slogs and i have a feeling this one could be another slog for sure we'll get into breaking it down and race for the case but as good as the old cyhawk is gonna get and maybe as good as it's ever been so i'm very excited for it this is like the pod game of the decade right Pod hasn't been around for a decade, but there's there a bigger game <laughs> than the tap water face off that's coming this weekend. And it's it's shaping up a lot like these games have. Iowa State has had unbelievable early struggles. I know we're going to break down the game early. So Iowa State sputters around against Northern Iowa for four quarters. And then Iowa just blisters. Iowa never blisters anybody. They blistered Indiana. And Iowa's won five games in a row. I was lucky enough to go to four games in, in four nights this past weekend, opening weekend. And here's the thing you're reminded of. We knew, but you felt it again. At Florida State, momentum shifts. Mackenzie Milton comes in. Oh, there's, a, there's an aspect to college football where there's just that searing edge of momentum and home field advantage. It's just different. It hits different in college football. So I'll be really curious with Ames electrified on Saturday, what that feels like and what kind of edge that gives them. Because it's going to be a different crowd than the Northern Iowa crowd. It's a This is a once-in-a-generation moment for Ames, Iowa and for Iowa State, and that is really cool. Like, that is what is great about college football is these small towns, they build, they hire the right coach, they, you know, they get a couple of recruiting wins. I think like Charlie Coleman or their tight end. He could have gone to Michigan and under Harbaugh's early time. He goes there. He red shirts. He gets back. Like everything is together. All those guys come back. Rose on defense. Brees Hall comes back. Brock Purdy's, a, you know, one of their best quarterbacks in Seneca Wallace, probably. So everything comes together to deliver this moment in Ames. And that is really cool. And that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. It's awesome that game day's there. That's a town that is going to show for game day. So I'm fired up. This is this is going to be one of the coolest games of the year. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, campus town on Friday night is no sane person would enter. <laughs> <laughs> the bush light slash natty light intake will be incredible. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, uh, we have a lot of it, listeners in Iowa. I want to know, like, some bar what they're ordering. Like, like you're they're sitting around this week, being like, "All right, how much bush light do we get? <laughs> how much bush light can you get on tap in Iowa? <laughs> That's the real key. Uh, the Boulder Tap House in Ames has bush light on tap. Okay, apparently they probably got good beers too on tap. I have others, but yeah. uh, looks like they have it. Yeah, twenty two ounce draft for five five bucks. Oh okay. man. That's it. I'm going. That's it. <laughs> How long of a drive is that, Dan? That's got to be like I don't eight know. hours. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Go matter. On. Just pull your Doesn't car matter. right up outside and get a big 20 in a plastic yeah, cup. Get it on tap everywhere. There's snooty bars. Good good for you, Boulder <laughs> Tap House. 114 South Duff Avenue, Ames, <laughs> Iowa. Good for you. She said 22 Burger ounces beers for five bucks. Wing. Five bucks, 22 ounces. That's not, not bad. bad deal. That's that, bad. that. That'll warm a college kid's uh, soul. Yeah. Well, some of us have never really graduated, <laughs> have we? <laughs> Sully, play the song. Hooray! We love it in the city of Ames. We love it in Ames. <laughs> Didn't think we'd not play it. If we could get a pack of smile, drink it down t-shirt. <laughs> I wish the listenership could see Wetzel like so popping his head to the song. I mean, it's that's a jam. That's a bop. Uh, all right. I encourage everyone to find the Hooray Aim song and watch the video, too. Oh, the, the video is unbelievable. It's, uh, if you think the song is bad, the video is worse <laughs> or better. I don't know. I don't know how to define it. It's hard. It's call. the most awkward damn thing ever. Uh, I I listened earlier today. This is my entire show prep. Was I watched the video <laughs> more than usual? Yeah. <laughs> right. Way to go the uh, extra mile. <laughs> I have my I have various thoughts on this on this video. Please go watch the video and then come back if you haven't. My five best lines. You want the five best lines in the <laughs> yes. song? Okay. okay. Coming in number number five. I mean, this is, I don't know where they come up with this statement, but intelligent people with kinder ways. <laughs> <laughs> kinder than those sure godless that? heathens over there in Iowa City. That's yeah. Yes. According <laughs> to what? According to what? There's no crime in Ames. I, th- I don't think there is. Do they even have like prisons or police in a- Iowa? I don't think they do. They don't need them Saturday. No, yeah, they might then. Uh, number four, eighty percent of residents twenty minutes or less to work. That's their commute. <laughs> I'm wondering about the other twenty percent. How did it take more than twenty minutes to drive across Ames? What in God's name? Are they walking? Are they waiting for the bus? I don't know what. Like, 
uh, does not take 20 minutes to drive across Ames. So everyone should be there. Number three, I, I make fun of this one a lot. Let's grab a bite to eat. There's a place on Maine. Um, yes, they do have restaurants. Good job, Ames. <laughs> Ames is so throwback. Main Street is the main street. <laughs> There's like a pharmacy. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, old drugstore. Bank. Got hardware. Hardware yeah. store. There you go. Gus is hardware and Gus yeah. is actually in there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly this one, many cultures live together without any wars. Like, okay. It's no bloodshed uh, on a culture war. They're taking the culture wars a little too seriously, but good. I'm glad there are no wars in Iowa, in Ames at least. Go to Ankakee or whatever. Ankney, yeah. Ankney, whatever. West Des Moines. Uh, and then finally, the uh, two mentions of the water, the cleanest around, mm. drink it down, all that. And then later they say the water is so great, it's won awards. Um, we <laughs> still you... want to get the job as the water taster that just drives. <laughs> a... You got to double down on the water in the song. That's a... Drive Terrible. around Iowa drinking different tap waters. That's your job. Well, anyone who but Louisville made a claim to this. But anyone who watched Louisville play last night, I don't think they were drinking clean water. All right. Like <laughs> that's because they had to go to Atlanta. Poor water there. We have we do have good water here, I will say. All right. All right. Additionally, uh Malika Jeffries L, who is in the video, she's got some game when she handles the handles the rock. Uh when she she puts the she puts the ball between her legs when she's rooting on the cyclones. They say she's originally from Brooklyn, classic Brooklyn point guard right there. Shout out to Malika. Uh other stars of the show. There's uh, this poor dude, Jesse Hostetter. Uh, he looks like he's in a hostage video. <laughs> he's a veterinary professor. And then late in the video, we learned that he's married. He f went, moved to Ames and met Shannon Hostetter, his wife. They fell in love. So clearly his wife dragged him to this <laughs> crap. Like, you're going to film this video. Like, no, nah, I don't want to go to that. Uh, no one will see it. It's like... Eight years later, we're still making fun of the damn thing. <laughs> Jesse, man, I'm sorry. You look, it doesn't, don't look happy in there. I hope the Ostetler family is still going strong. I don't know how your nuptials are, but I'm, I'm rooting for you. Cause man, you deserve, you deserve some slack. Look, let me just say this. Okay. Shannon, if Jesse comes home after drinking too many bush lights this weekend, forgive him forever for appearing in that damn video. <laughs> this is Dan's time to uh play uh, almost famous journalist he is william miller on this podcast he is <laughs> he is breaking down the intricacies of the lyrics of the city of Ames song tiny dance the whole this is the whole pod has been a roost to set up for this pod like this is really what we've been building towards the pod may not we may not have another one this week incredible I promise the work full ethic. breakdown i'm giving a full breakdown <laughs> incredible work ethic he hadn't worked this hard since tokyo yes matt ellenwood uh, he's in there. He's a professor of vet medicine. <laughs> two two exciting parts for Matt. One is he's where he's at one point to hype up the winter. He's got downhill skis. <laughs> Ski Iowa. <laughs> yeah, in Iowa. Uh, cross country I, skis, maybe downhill. Little, I'm little, not little sure. Bit of a there's reach. a hill. There is a hill. Um, okay. I, I looked this up too. Uh, there was a hill called uh, Seven Oaks. Uh, it's 277 meters high. Oh boy. 
<laughs> or no, 277 feet or 53 meters in elevation. I don't know. That's not it very has, high. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, but this guy's got skis. I don't know. Uh, and then there's point, just, by the way, is the highest natural point in Iowa at 1,670 feet. That is not very high. No, I mean, uh, Florida's uh, jealous, but everyone else isn't. So yeah, I don't know what right. that's up. The Colorado native and Pat showed up in that comment, sneering yeah, at Iowa's mountains. <laughs> yeah, we got 14ers. They got 1,670 feet. And then finally, there's Jacqueline Comito. She's the lead singer. And she works for the water department. That's why there's so much water okay. hype in there. Okay. Uh, the guy who wrote it's the drummer. He stayed out of the the acting part of it. He was in the back of the whatever that thing is. What are they in a convertible? Yeah. Literally the greatest song, greatest uh, piece of I don't know what. I don't know <laughs> what genre this represents, but it's Chef Kiss, baby. Chef Kiss. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't listened, this is the week to listen. Uh, or. Throw it in YouTube. I want it's, that thing played. I want something on game. I want a game day sign with a little shout something. out to us referencing the Hooray Aim song. Can oh, someone do that yeah, for if us? We got a game day sign. Yes, that would be that Just would be a little be something. A, yes, yes. Drink the water. Because we've been playing this damn song for years now. <laughs> now everyone else is on the Ames bandwagon. <laughs> all right. We'll be back with Race for the Case. We'll make our picks and break this game down and all the others uh, a little later in the week for your gambling advice. Otherwise, enjoy the week of college football. Continue to subscribe, share us on social media, uh, and uh, help our podcast grow. Tell your friends. Play it at the tailgate, on the way to the tailgate, whatever you got to do for us. We need we need all, we need you all working as hard as I did on the Ames video breakdown. Talk to you later. <laughs>